Hey everyone, I'm Tari. Hello everyone, I am Bree. And this is CSI Talk. Welcome back, everyone. Another day, another week of CSI Talk. Before we get into today's episode, just want to let you all know that this is a safe space for you. This is always going to be a safe space, regardless of what is happening right now. And oh, some good news before we started. Before we start, over they now tentatively over. It's tentatively over. They've reached an agreement. A tentative agreement. It's just has to be put up to vote, and the writers have to agree with it. it looks like they all agree with it because of the, some protections that was being put in place well no ai can be accepted unless the writer itself the red general writer uses just it to help yeah well the after subscribe's not over yet yesterday the lawyer Alex Manley or or in eric still all in the trenches yesterday you know i missed being mad at the at the event you know i missed him i missed josh you know it's felt really good to, to see him I miss my boy. He's a criminal man. Criminal now. But I miss him. I don't think he's a criminal. Okay, I stand. I, I think he, he didn't commit the crime, but if he did, I'm going to down the hill that Josh Wilson did nothing wrong. Anyways, there was no episode last week because that happens and... Yeah. My cat died the day we were going to record. And it was a rough couple of days. So... To pick up a bully dog because we're four hours apart as of right now, it seems to be five hours apart. We'll we make it work today. It's gonna be what an upsetting episode because it, it, it surprisingly has a, a happy ending of shorts. All right, Nick kind of gets a not a closure, but it helps in this case, helps him where some is not in this episode because it had they had to redo it. Yeah, and the CSIs on the scene, they're not in Las Vegas, but they are in Vegas, but they're not in the place that we used to see them. We, if you the episode that we're dealing with is Gun Dops, is from season six, episode five, and it was written by Sarah Goldfinger. I swear, Sarah Goldfinger writes some of the most beautiful episodes of CSI. Love her, I totally love her, and I hope she's having a great day. This is a Nick centric episode. And, well, let's do this. The official synopsis is, Nick becomes the lead on a case where a family of four is missing, but three pools of blood are found in their home. Since this episode was very written, I, I think Nick was in the center of the episode. Probably this was an episode centered around Grissom. But since Grissom was not in this case, I'm guessing that they decided to change and add this case to Nick's forewarning. If you can recall, uh, Nick was kidnapped around uh, the previous season, Green Danger, and which he had covered for episode 99 and 100, or episode 100 and 101. Nick was kidnapped, and they found him uh, with barely enough time left to close case. Nick was convinced that the people they were looking for, where they some of them, was still alive. And actually, 
we've mentioned this before on the episode that you're going to find Sarah when she was kidnapped by the miniature killer. We have a callback to this episode because Nick is the one that finds Sarah. On this case, we have Catherine, Greg, Nick, Sarah, and Warwick. In this episode, there's a voiceover by a kid. That's surprising because we rarely, almost never, get a voiceover. But now we have one by a little kid, which is really scary and creepy, even for a parental. Yep. Very creepy. One of those, like, raspy voiceovers. Oh, so I have to voiceovers like this from kids. Yeah, she is telling someone that somebody came to the house, a Jude McBride, McBride, and Jude McBride is the father. Nina McBride is the mother. Jeremy McBride is the brother. Cassie McBride is the sister. Got into a fight, and the perpetrator couldn't find what they were looking for. And once the suicides get inside, they found holes of blood bloody footprints and then we see nick is standing in the little girl's room when he goes outside the sheriff tells him that someone called in 911 and to record the crime and also the sheriff tells nick that he thinks everyone is dead everyone in the family is dead but nick is like since there are no bodies i can neither confirm nor deny that everyone is dead Sheriff is like, oh, but I've seen everything, you know, you know, you see the blood, I know blood, you know, there's no way these people would survive that much war loss. Nick is just looking at the sheriff like, oh, okay, dude, Nick is a CSI, he knows what he's talking about, he literally cannot tell if everyone is dead just based on the amount of blood. Okay, so if you watch the episode, there's a lot of blood all over the house, he really cannot tell if those people were alive or dead. On the next morning, Sarah gets to the scene and tells Nick that Grissom was in the flat. And that's why she came to help him and came in with coffee. And story time, the reason why William Peterson was in this, because if I remember correctly, there was a death in his family. Okay, that's kind of a sad coincidence. Well, it was a family. And he had to rush over to Chicago. Yeah, and... Probably they changed the episode. They had to change and make this change really quickly. And I don't know, maybe the episode was centered centered around the film and then they decided to center around Nick. Or maybe it was always centered around Nick and Grissom was in the scene with him helping him do the case, but then they put Sarah on the case instead of Grissom. Sarah brought coffee, but the coffee machine already made coffee. And Nick is like, no, it's already programmed to make coffee every day at this time. Because of that, Nick realizes that whatever happened, happened over the weekend. The, the coffee machine was programmed to make coffee every morning from Monday to Friday. That's why Nick thinks that whatever happened, happened on the weekend. And also because the blood is dry, the scene is probably 12 hours old. Nick identifies when you set a book tells Sarah that everyone, a car, keys, and wallets, and phones are all accounted for. Robbery is not a motive because they didn't take the cars, they didn't take the cast. Greg and Warwick, they get to the scene as well, and they help them out. Sarah is processing 
And based on the shoe that everyone wore, she is able to identify which one belonged to Jude, which is the father, and Nina, which is the mother. But there are no prints from the kids, which is kind of odd because the kids were there. So you would expect to find Sarah ponders that if the kids were shot first, there would be no blood to walk through. She also goes at the theory that if then Nina took Cassie upstairs and both of the bodies were hit by one single bullet, and which would explain why there was no blood pool number four. And they also find three other children in sizes. Two of them go back and forth to the front door and the kitchen. And there is one that goes upstairs. Going to the master bedroom where he found a gun on the nightstand. Okay, Greg, he is photographing the tire threads. And he realizes that one of the threads has an odd side, which could be some a hitch. A hitch is something that tied to the back of a car and it has a smaller wall which means that the vehicle is going to need three tire threads two from the car and another one from this smaller wheel rag also found down some marijuana on the ground but just odd he goes to the front steps and he takes a pictures of an unwrapped piece of bubble gum. Does it seem familiar? Because it is, because it is the exact same one that Nick used to stay alive on great danger. Nick is looking through Cassie's room and he found the blood stains on the floor and the hair stuck in the mattress. Okay, the hair could actually be from Cassie, but the blood stains is kind of concerning. So he looks under the bed and he found a half-eaten peanut butter and jelly sandwich and an empty bottle of cough job. Cough syrup, like the shoe. That's how Nick realizes that Cassie was actually pretty smart. She didn't want it to take the medicine because the medicine tasted bad, so she put it inside the shoe. What kind of kid looks thing like that? That's literally the argument that he used throughout the episode to make his claim that she's still alive. When he's looking throughout her room, heard something that looks that sounded like a laugh. And then when he walks into Jeremy's room, which is her brother, or he's pressing down a key on the keyboard, and that is labeled Cassie's glass. Mark realized that Jeremy he was writing term papers for students, and he was getting paid for it. Sarah, she is listening for prints on the kitchen, and based on the incomplete floor calendar. She realized that the crank most likely took place over the weekend, which is when Nick guessed as well. Greg is going through the unopened email and he found bill, an electric bill for $2,000. Sarah gets out of the kitchen telling Greg that the print dust is getting to her. Okay, look, ever since I got yeah. into the CSI film, I've seen some wild series about it. Scene. Sarah's told Greg to keep printing the kitchen because the print powder was getting to her, including one that said that she was pregnant from Grissom because that's why the print powder was getting to her. Is she just only having an allergic reaction, maybe? And what reaction she only has once? Look, whenever they have to analyze the scene, they have to analyze the scene exactly how it is. 
and the window is closed. All the windows. Were closed. Oh, but look at hotels are in a tight space, like a small hotel room and hotel bathroom. Even after this episode, this that happens, and she doesn't have the same reaction. I don't know what was going on, but it was a one-time thing. Okay, there could be a multiple reasons though why she would have that reaction and i mean from what we've seen she's most definitely did not it's definitely not pregnant you correct later on pregnancy because as we said before they did not want to have kids neither is the person or maybe it was just an excuse to get sarah out of the kitchen because she needed to be the one to find the cellar door it probably was just a writer's choice as many of us who are fanfic writers, sometimes we will do this, you know, take a character out of the two, out of a situation, because that character needs to be the one to find this one thing or to make this one decision. She opens the door and she goes downstairs, and that's how she found out that the family had a marijuana farm with artificial light. That's why the bill was so high. They also found their motive. Why have Rag, Nick, and Sarah, they are processing the pop farm. And Warwick, she found evidence that the lock, because there was no lock to the door, was actually shot at. Greg realizes that the intruders only took the dry pot and not the new girl, and not the new girls, because the dry ones was worth a lot of money. And that would rule out a territorial war. If it was a war between two drug dealers, you would expect to burn or destroy the reform, right? Sarah, there's like, oh, what if one of the customers got greedy? Work is like, well, the price can be anywhere from 200 to yeah. And the team is actually kind of concerned why the parents would do this with two young kids in the house. But you guys have enough experience to know that people will do weird things all the time. Okay, especially with kids around. Yep. While outside, Nick is going through the family records, through the phone records, and he realizes that Jude received a lot of calls on Sunday nights from the same number, and the number was also the one that made the 911 call, and he had to trace it back to Dr. Malcolm Parker. You know what? I really like that about the episode that the sheriff is actually on the CSI side. Yep. It doesn't really happen that much when, like, I don't know if you guys remember, there was this one episode in the early seasons of CSI that Grissom had to go to his motel to investigate a murder, and his kid ends up getting stolen, and he has to bring a makeshift, a makeshift kid to investigate the murder, and the sheriff is not on his side. Nobody's on his side except the foreigner, who's not really... Not even the corner of the town. It's like a bat or something. Sarah and the sheriff visit Dr. Parker and they tell him that they were able to trace back the calls to him. The good doctor tells him that he was actually working Sunday night and he had an appointment with Jude to buy some Mariana, some plot, right? He called him, but he got no response. Then when he looks inside the house and he saw the blood holes, that's when he called the cops. He also tells them that Jude 
didn't really sell to people in town and he had his products sold out of the state. Okay, so this guy is a drug dealer. Okay, that confirms their theory that the motive is drugs. Back in the house, Nick is at the front porch. Is at the front porch when a woman pulls up and asks for Nina. And her name is Sage. Is she the coworker of Nina's? And tells Nick that Nina went to a concert over the weekend but never showed up to work, which means that whatever happened happened on Sunday, not on Saturday. And she says that Nick is ready with a crazy feminine energy. Like, there's a lot of feminine energy around him. Okay. Love when that happens in CSI. I don't know, I've used that, that kind of stuff before on my campus. No, but, like, you've never used that type of stuff on your campus before? I don't think so. But try to write for the character. Catherine, she calls Nick, and she tells him that one of the friends from the kitchen came back to... Mark Horvath, or himself his name, which is one of the boys who Jeremy was writing the paper suit. They go visit Mark in school, and Mark is actually throwing all of his football gear in the backseat of this car, and they can like, why are you doing this? Why are you not putting it inside the trunk? Nick just asks Jared, oh, so it's called ground this public and public property, right? And Jeremy's like, yes, it is. <laughs> So he asks Marks to open the trunk, but he does, and inside they find a lot of bags of dry pod. Marks is brought into for questioning, and he's asked where the bodies are, but he doesn't give any question. They go to the garage of the sheriff's department, and Greg is processing Marks' car, and inside he found no blood evidence. He says that there was no way that four bodies could fit inside a small space. Which is true. And plus, whoever was driving, if this was a group effort, there was no way it would take that many people. But he does find an ACM slip that fits the time frame of the murders. And another piece of bubble gum. And he tells Ward that he also found one in the house. Ward, he compared the sample plot from the car and from the house. And he... Can't tell if they're the same. Can't tell if they're oh, the same. Oh, we also get the single scene with Catherine because she's back at the lab because Mark Helgenberger also had other things going on, so she could not be in the episode much. Yeah, Catherine's not a lot of the episode as well. Catherine is running blood samples. I mean, she's a blood expert, right? Ward decides to compare the striations on the trash bags that they found in the house and the one that contained the pod. So. He matched the samples, the both of the bags, so that way they could move to the court that the thought came from the house. But Nick tells them that Mark stopped talking, not that he was doing so much talking to the begin with. Because his father is a lawyer and the search and seizure will fall off because even though they weren't school grounds, they didn't have any probable cause to search personal properties. His father literally found a loophole. Okay. As was said before, Catherine's actually going through the blood evidence. She realizes that Jeremy, the son, was the one that was shot first. The father ran in and he was shot second. And the mother, she came down the stairs and she was shot third when she was running back up, probably to go get the daughter. But none of the cats' blood is at the scene. 
which means that either her death was a blood was burned or she was still alive. Catherine tells Nick that and Nick tells the rest of the team. In that scene, that's how I realized that the team doesn't really like work wise. In the future, they would wonder why the wife never liked them. Like, I'm sorry. This is your family. I would never be able to, no, I would never be able to be with somebody who does not like my family, and my family does not like them. Okay, look, I'm just saying, if you guys don't, can't recall, there is an episode that in the future seasons, after the war dies, and it's the, in what we like to call the DB era, they found out that Warwick's kid is, spoiler alert, if you don't know, Warwick ends up having a kid. And they find out that Warwick's kid is not really being taken care of. And they have to call child servants because Tina is not handling his death, Warwick's death well. But the, but the thing is, they never really got along. I think Star tried. I, uh, yeah, Mr. Most likely did, but I don't think Nick or, 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 or anybody else, anybody else did, did for that matter, because Sarah does treat her well, and also that we end up seeing them. But if I got together with this guy, and then his friends never lied to me, and then he ends up dying, and in the future, I mean, God forbid, but like in the future, they try and get is get off me because it's for the best and then they be like oh we try to have a relationship with you but you never let me like dude you never even tried and i think what when tina over with sarah is that she fought for her to get eli back because i think she could tell that tina truly cared and loved eli more than you yeah. know yeah i think i think actually sarah saw herself in eli to be honest because sarah went through that I don't think even Sarah wanted Eli to be in the system for long. No. Well, anyways, Greg, Nick, Sarah, and the work, they are eating breakfast and they are talking about the case. That's, that's one thing that I wanted to point out. They are discussing if the possibility of the family being alive or dead. And Warwick brings up a theory, right? Because he says that Mark, his father is a lawyer. He probably grew up with his father saying that if there's no body, there's no crime, right? And the, the example that Warwick uses is that Dana once told him that her father is an anthropologist. One time she asked her dad, where was the anthropology inside of her? Because if she was kid and she didn't really understand the difference between a medical doctor and an academic doctor. Warwick brings up the theory that Mark actually sought to get away with murder because if there is no body, there is no crime. That's not it. If the authorities are able to prove that a crime was committed, then yes, of course there is a crime. If the authorities are able to prove that a crime was committed, they don't need a body to confirm that a crime was committed. Mark's thinking is actually right. Yeah. Probably Mark thought that if they could get rid of the body, the authorities would not be able to prove that crime was committed. Therefore, they would get away with it. The sheriff arrives and he tells them that they actually got a lead on the ATM receipt, the Greg sound, and the account belongs to Dean Locke. 
and then Locke has a son named Peter, and he's the same age as Mark. Mark, he offers to take a surveillance state back to Archie in the lab. He only started to scroll Vegas because they're on a small town. Another way to write out a character from the episode. When Greg and Sarah, they get up from the table to go with the sheriff, Nick, he decides to stay behind. Sarah, he looks at Nick and she knows that Nick thinks that, that Cassie's still alive. And she tells him that usually on their job, they are there to recover a body and not to rescue someone. And he looks her dead in the eyes and say, I would rescue them. And, and she said, it was not your time. I need a time. It's a time. That was such a bad invitation. But anyways, that's the scene that Nick thinks of when he looks for Sarah in the desert. I think it was such a nice touch when we see him and Sophia on the desert looking for her. He's the first one that actually finds her. He is not Greg. He's not Daphne. He's not even Grissom. Even though I know there's a few people out there that thinks that thinks that Grissom should have been the one to find Sarah in the desert. No, it should have been Nick to literally complete the cycle because Sarah was the one that found Nick dangerous. She was the one that pointed out on the map that he is here. And then we have the cycle completed on the first episode of season eight when Nick is the one that found Nick her. and Sophia. Yeah, Nick and Sophia because Sarah was carrying like this mural. She, the mirror from the car. Yes, she remember she took it off to break the window so she can get out. Yeah, she was still carrying the mirror. Nick saw the reflection and told Sophia to stop and go get her. Greg and Sarah they go to the lock residence and they found the boat in the driveway. Greg immediately thinks, well, that would explain the third tire threat that he found on the driveway. And they also find uh, plant material. That is similar to the ones in the Mac Drive driveway. Peter's mother, he confirms that her son has access to the bank account. Then he took a boat or on the other night to go out with his friend. Sarah, she finds the trash bags in the boat. There's like, well, that would explain the absence of blood, right? If you put trash bags on it, they would bleed out and the trash bag would essentially capture all the blood. Nick, he is in the park and he's looking over all the pictures of Cassie and he realizes that Cassie is literally chewing gun in half of the pictures. And she, he also sees pictures of her in the small place of Hansel and Gretel. He decides to call Sarah and asks her if she found any gun on the boat. And she actually tells him that she did. Nick tells her that Cassie was leaving that's literally the name of the episode. Wherever she went, like kids, with breadcrumbs in Hazel and Grado. Because that, that's the place from the school. Peter Lottie and she is brought to the station for questioning. And he was actually the coach of Cassie's swing team. The sheriff tells him that his prints were found on the bottle of the cough medicine under Cassie's bed. Back in the lab, Archie, he recovers the security tape from the ACM machines. And he actually finds proofs that Cassie was in the backseat of the car sucking her thumb. He sends the picture to Nick, and Nick literally goes mad. Because look, 
Faces with kids always makes everyone on the team really worried, really mad because they are literally running against the time here. Because if they don't find the kid in the first 24 to 48 hours, the kid is most likely dead. But Nick, especially, whenever a kid is, is involved in a case, he feels really deeply for that because, as we all know, Nick was the victim of sexual crime when he was a kid. When he became a CSI, he, and he has to deal with cases like that. It's harder on him, like cases involving sexual assault and domestic violence are the Sarah. When Nick sees that picture, he literally barges into the room, picks Peter up, slams him against the wall, and tells Peter to tell him where Cassie is. And Peter is literally crying. I just like noticed that watching the episode again. Like, thank you, Paramount Boys. We're not being sponsored by Paramount Boys, but I just, I saw it on Paramount Band. The quality is insane. Love that. Nick and Sarah, with some officers, they head to the pier, and they think that, they think that these boys, they got to the ATM machines to get cash to fill up the gas tank on the boat. There was about three quarters of the tank left, which means that they probably used one-eighth of the tank. To take out and the same amount back to, to the girl, they used just 25% of the thing to go to and from. And that now they are able to determine the distance, the distance that they went to, to go to and from. They realized that people travel three miles from a specific one spot. That's a lot. I think that's five, five kilometers. That's a lot. When they are getting ready to go search for Cassie, Sarah finds out that there is a piece of unwrapped gum stuck on the shoe. That means that Cassie was there. So and she Nick, points it out to Nick. Yeah. Nick and Sarah, they go on the patrol boat with the other officers, and they reach the three-mile line, or almost five kilometers, and they drop the underwater camera down. And they do find Jude, Nina, and Jeremy Wilson, the mother, the father, and the brother, the bottom of the way wrapped in garbage bag and tied to an anchor. Why were they tied to an anchor? Because even if the boys had dropped the bodies in the lake, their lungs would be filled up with awake oxygen. And the body would be filled up with oxygen and they will bring the body up back to the surface. That's why they had to be tied with an anchor. And they actually only found three bodies, which kind of gives Nick's hope that Cassie is still alive. Back in the morgue, in my favorite sequence of CSI, Doc Robbins tells Warwick that the three night rides, they died from gunshot wounds. Jeremy was shot up close. His father had a gunshot wound through his hands and through his chest because he was trying to get the gun away from Peter. And the mother was shot once in the back from a fair distance away. And Warwick, he's able to yeah, the bullet out, and it's a 22 caliber. The four bullets and the two that, that were shot at the cell, at the cellar door. You guys remember the, the cellar door from the beginning of the episode? Might be why they didn't find Cass's blood. The shooter ran out of bullets. Uh, which means that 22 probably only carries a six bullets. Maybe. I don't know. I don't understand gun. I don't understand gun. Warwick, he runs the bullet, and he calls Sarah and tells her, that the 22 caliber revolver belongs to Chris Daniels. Sarah and the sheriff goes to visit 
Chris Daniels. And Chris confirms that, yeah, he actually has the 282 caliber revolver. They are actually looking for his sons. They are not looking for him. The son actually has a fresh cut on his forehead. And I kind of got the impression that this kid was suffering under his dad hand. The episode kind of gives us the idea that this probably was abusive to us, his kid. Anyway, so what is brought into the into the pop star and Darren shows Nick that they do actually recover a bloody hunting knife and a pair of bloody sneakers. Which doesn't give Nick so much hope after all. Because if they match the blood to Cassie, back at the station, Sarah tries to get Lucy open up to her and tells him what she thinks that happened. And tells her again that Lock Mark in theater just wanted to get some pot and were under the impression that only Jeremy was in the house. Then Jeremy tried to get them out because his parents were still home. Lock pulled his gun out and threatened him. And then Lock shot Jeremy, then shot his father. Because his father wanted to see what was going on. And then the mother was shot. And then Peter went upstairs to deal with Cassie, but Peter couldn't kill her. He gave her some cough medicine. And the medicine, she dumped, she dumped it on into her shoe. And I don't think so. I think it was just the, the, the cough medicine was just, it was there longer. Then Luke and Mark bagged the pod, put the bodies in the garbage bag. Like, that must have been a huge garbage bag. I'm sorry, it must have been a huge garbage bag. Anyways, they went to the ATM machine, they got Peter's vault, they went back to the McRite's house, put the bodies on the boats, and then when they came out to kill Tassie, when Luke offered to do it, Peter punched him in the face, and that, that's why Luke's forehead was wounded. Then we see the flashback that Milk is the one that would end up putting Tessie's neck. Nick and an officer, they are on the lake looking for Cassie. Nick is literally holding his flashlight along the shore. He sees something and he tells an officer to stop and he gets out of the boat. Nick, bo- Nicky boy, he gets out of the boat and he walks through the water. He found Cassie's body and she had a cut across her neck, but she still had a pulse. And she had a gum wrapper in her fist. Later, we see that she is alive in a hospital bed. And she's making, <laughs> and she is making a drawing for him. I think that's so cute. And Nick mm-hmm. is pushed by that. He's literally almost crying when she gives him that. What's Nicky boy? What else do you expect? She really like, from Cassie to good guys. About bad guy. That is so cute. My boy was in tears. She actually asked him about her family. And he's like, oh, they're in Vegas. And Cassie's like, I am not a kid. I want to know where they are. And then Nick really tells him that, yeah, they're open for you. And then Nick asks her if she could tell him, if she could tell him what actually happened. So she actually starts telling him what happened. And that's how we found out that the voiceover that we heard throughout the episode is actually her. She's the one that was telling him the story. Yep. This case, I think it helps Nick 
of what happened to them in a break that it did. I think it was a great case. Not a bad case, but I think they did their best, especially Nick, who didn't give up on her when everyone else in the team thought she was most likely dead. He went, never gonna give you up. Never gonna let you down. Exactly. Well, next week? Next week, yeah. What are we doing next week? We're talking about season six, episode 17. I'd like to watch. Wait. October 6th is coming up. This episode is coming up next week. Oh, oh, guys. One thing. October 6th is when these Hibiscus premieres in Latin America. And I'm going to be doing a watch party. I'm going to be doing a watch party and I'm going to post the link on our Instagram stories and all my Twitter. So if you guys want to follow up on that, you can totally do it. And about the WhatsApp channel, we're totally going to do that. Just wait and once it becomes available to us, we're going to post the links on our Instagram story and also on our link tree. And also I'm gonna, we're going to post on Twitter. And I'm going to post on my personal Twitter and you guys want to follow that up too. We were asked to do an episode about a certain character and we decided to do, to expand and do an episode about a relationship of two characters. About this particular character with another character. Should we do that? Well, we can do that after what we have planned. So, yeah. All right. Hope you guys loved it. And happy CSI anniversary, everyone. Happy CSI anniversary, y'all. We love this show and we're gonna do some something on our Instagram for you guys. Love yeah. you. Guys. Love y'all. Bye. Bye. Peace.